Welcome to the Financial Residency Podcast, where we are devoted exclusively to the financial well-being of physicians and helping you achieve the financial freedom you deserve. This is your financial residency without the long hours and sleepless nights. Let's welcome your host and primary care physician for your finances, Ryan Inman. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another show. I'm excited to have you guys here. And today we're going to be talking with student loan expert Travis Hornsby on the three biggest mistakes that physicians make with respects to their student debt. Travis is uh, the first repeat guest that we've had on the show. And I thought, you know what? The entire month is all about student debt and conquering that and mastering and understanding what it is and just eliminating it. And I thought, who better to have back on the show than Travis to talk all about student debt? So Travis and I first start off the conversation talking about the three biggest mistakes that we see physicians make. And then we answered seven listener questions. And we got a little carried away with the listener questions. Uh, we received dozens of them uh, when I put out the call for all of you to call in and ask your questions all around student debt. So we answered seven of them and it turned out the show to have been a little too long. So we've actually broken it up into two separate shows. This show will be all about the three biggest mistakes that physicians make. And then next show, we'll be answering the seven questions that all of you had concerning student debt. So with that, let's jump right in and talk with Travis on the three biggest mistakes that we see physicians make with their student debt. Travis, thank you so much for being back on the show. Excited to have you here and I uh, can't wait to dive into uh, some of these questions that uh, listeners have been asking us. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait. Well, after talking with over about a thousand clients and about 250 million in student loan debt advised on now, what are your three biggest things or mistakes that you see physicians making with respects to their student debt? I'm going to say the first one's going to be the picking a repayment plan that doesn't really reflect a lot of thought or, or just picking the repayment plan that they started with, right? Mm-hmm. An example of this would be, I see people a lot of the times they'll be in IBR or they'll be even in like pay as you earn when like they really should be in repay or vice versa. Here's one example. A physician is planning on being a private practice doctor, right? But they talk to all their friends, you know, that they're in training with and they're like, oh, you know, you should do this pay-as-you-earn program. You know, that's the best one. So they pick pay-as-you-earn, but their plan is to be a private practice doctor, which means that they're probably going to refinance their loans. And that means you need to make sure you get an interest subsidy. And the only plan that has an interest subsidy is repay, right? Mm -hmm. So say that doctor spent like four or five years of training just not getting that interest subsidy, that could be like twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 down the drain, you know, because they were going to do private practice anyway. So like, why were they on the wrong repayment plan, right? Another problem I see is folks that are doing IBR filing separate. Oftentimes that can be a big mistake. I think there was somebody recently on the um, White Coat Investors site that was even writing about that and, and they were filing taxes separately when they shouldn't be. So I guess first one is, you know, broadly picking the wrong payment plan. I'm going to say that number two is refinancing mistakes. That's that's broad, but refinancing mistakes, let me tell you what I mean by that. There's a really common habit of people just refinancing with the one company they've ever heard of before. So that, you know, companies will send you stuff in the mail all the time and they'll just like click and, you know, just go to the site link and just apply and just 
refinance their loans, right? I've seen people put more thought into where they're going to go to dinner <laughs> than where they're going to refinance their student loans, which is kind of scary, right? Because yeah. it's like, you know, yeah. a massive amount of debt. Yeah. And you can um, mention company names on here. I don't care. Yeah. I mean, well, so, so yeah, well, the biggest one is SoFi. So people will often check them and only them. And so they sometimes give good rates. But there's other ones like, you know, there's Laurel Road and there's uh, Ernest, Comet Bond. There's all these different ones, right? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the people, they'll refinance without getting a cashback bonus. That's something that you're just leaving on the table if you're not getting some money for refinancing your loans. But then also like not comparison shopping, that's important just to make sure that you're getting the best deal. But the biggest refinancing mistake of all actually is for people that have a partner that there's a physician that's going for public service loan forgiveness and then the other physician is private practice or is going to be, and so they refinance their loans. And so what they do is they reduce the amount of, of loans that are going to be forgiven because they take their loans off the federal system. And so suddenly they're two high income earners and they only have just that one partner's student debt. And then that's like really messy. So, you know, I would just say like number two is just refinancing mistakes. And then Number three is just... I'm, uh, I'm actually going to stop you really quick because I got a question on this. So, oh, yeah, sure. So on number two, when you're talking about the two high income earners, so you're saying when they're both physicians, one's going to go for PSLF, they're in the federal system, the other one has been refinancing out, and you're saying that that's a mistake even if they're going for private practice. Well, yeah, so... It's like kind of like that saying, don't let the tail wag the dog kind of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's just give an example. It'll be easier. Perfect. So let's pretend we've got a pediatrician and we've got a, I don't know, like a um, ENT doctor or something, right? And so okay. the ENT is making 300000 private practice. They've got 400000 of student debt and uh, the pediatrician has, you know, 300000 of of student debt and is making, you know, 150000 right? So uh, the... The ENT doc is like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to be a private practice doc or I am a private practice attending. I have to refinance my student loans. And so they take off their student debt off of the federal system and move it to a private lender. Well, what happened before is they had one payment, you know, filing taxes jointly on like repay or pay. And then their payment was, say, just pull a random number out of my head, out of my head, you know, uh, about 4,000 a month. Right. Uh So then 2000 gets put on one physician's, you know, student loans and 2000 gets put on another. So yeah, the person's paying 6.8% interest instead of five. So that kind of sucks. But you know, you've got the other spouse's loans kind of absorbing a big chunk of the payments. So then let's say that they take the loans off of the federal system. Well now for the pediatrician, you know, they're going to have to file taxes separately. So, you know, I'm going to assume that that tax penalty from filing separately is going to be, you know, kind of significant, mm-hmm. or at least it's it's not going to be negligible. And then also you're not going to have, um, you're not going to have as, as much flexibility. So depending on what they're eligible for, like their payments might be kind of high. So maybe they're on IBR, which is 15, 15% of your income, because maybe they're not eligible for pay as you earn, and you're getting hit with the tax penalty, when instead, maybe you could have been on repay, filing joint, and getting an interest subsidy, you know, and getting more forgiven because you don't have as much in payments going towards the student debt. Mm-hmm. So it, it depends on every like specific situation. The, the the I guess the main take home is that the simplistic messaging that's out there on a lot of like financial blogs that if you're a private practice physician, 
you need to refinance your student loans. Why haven't you done it already? Like that message is not really correct in, in a lot of cases. You know, so it's just something that people need to actually spend time to think about. If the if you've got if you owe less than two times your income and you're the only person that has student debt and you're a private practice physician, then absolutely sure, refinance your student debt. But when there's, you know, two physicians or there's complex things going on where you're not eligible for all the repayment programs or one person's going for PSLF and one person isn't, that's where a lot of mistakes are made. So I guess just in general, like folks should be really careful about that. Yeah, and then, it, it makes sense. And, yeah. and the thing is, is like most people writing on this stuff aren't experts in it. They don't deal with it all day, every day. You know, I see clients all the time with student debt. You obviously, with nearly a thousand clients, see clients only with student debt. I mean, at studentloanplanner.com, which is, by the way, Travis's business, it makes sense that when people aren't dealing with this all day, every day, that they make mistakes. And sometimes it's because they're just trying to push a refinance company so they can earn an affiliate link and they write, you know, one or two blog posts on it and say, oh yeah, you know, if this is so cookie cutter, do this or do that. And that's the only way. But, you know, I, I wanted you to stop and kind of go a little bit further onto this one because I see this as a mistake and I think it's pretty common. And I agree with you. Um, I'd actually make this probably as like the number one thing that I see, you know, just immediately people come to me and say, oh, this is it. I know I need to refinance. And it's like, well, hold, pump the brakes here for a second. Let's actually make sure you need to. I kind of went on a rant at one of these Facebook groups that I'm a part of. It was like the PSLF eligible physicians Facebook group. Because oh, yeah. one of the one of the members, she had about 500,000 in student debt and she was an attending at a 501c3 hospital and she refinanced her loans with First Republic Bank, which is an incredible bank. They give great rates for people that that's the right thing to do. But she was about five or six years out from getting a perspective like three or $400,000 loan forgiveness benefit. And she was touting her, you know, 3% interest rate and how, and then she posted her affiliate link uh, saying, you know, people should, you know, use her link and, you know, they'll get $200, you know, to refinance their student loans. And I just lost it because I was just like, are you kidding me? Like, it's bad enough that you made a stupid financial decision for yourself, but you're going to try to like drag other people that could be getting hundreds of thousands of dollars in loan forgiveness because of like a little piddly affiliate bonus that you get. That's stupid. (laughs) So number three is because you said the top three mistakes, right? So the third biggest mistake I think is just uh, thinking that, you know, I have to be careful how I say this, like thinking that you know more than you do. Physicians are incredibly smart. Like I'm the, my my wife's a physician. The first thing I'll say is she's way smarter than me, right? Agree. Um, but I would never diagnose myself if I had a medical condition, or at least you know I would hear about it from her if I did. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think a lot of physicians out there rightly can make their own decision. Like I'm not saying that you know every student loan case is complex. It's that's not true. Like if you owe less than one times your income and you're an attending and you're paying high interest, like, yeah, refinance, like, that's easy, you know, and, and any smart person can figure that out. Like, if you're doing PSLF, probably you can figure out most of the things to do, or you can spend some time and, and read, you know, the tips that people put out there. But I just wanted to bring up this post that I saw specifically on this guest post. It was a guest post on the White Coat Investor that the physician was, like, talking about how they were saving, like, $40,000 or something with their with their PSLF strategy. And, uh, and they posted the formula that they were using in justifying this savings. You know, very nice person, like smart person, 
but they spend a ton of time becoming an expert in medicine. And, you know, so how do they have the time to like know all the nuances, right? So I just pointed out that their understanding of the formula was wrong because they had been filing taxes separately and they both had student debt. And Mm -hmm. so actually I said that, well, actually you need to file jointly. You need to amend your tax returns and you need to switch repayment plans and instead of saving yourself $40,000 a year by doing this, you're actually costing yourself several thousand a year by doing this. And this is somebody who felt confident enough to write a guest post on the top physician financial blog out there. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to question the motives at all of, of people that spit out strategies and everything. Like I think everybody's trying to get people the best result. Like I do believe that. I just think a lot of times people haven't seen as many complex cases or or they haven't talked to as many people and really like dug as deep in the problem and so they don't know about the nuances, right? So I guess the big three is just the repayment plans, the refinancing mistakes, and just maybe being a little bit too confident or not being at least humble enough in in what you don't know because that's what could hurt you. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like the physician blogosphere, if you want to call it, is somewhat of an echo chamber and people start to see what other people are saying and then they're just rewriting it in a somewhat of their own words and sticking it out there is like, this is the right thing to do when they don't truly understand it. And that's where an example like you just gave where you get in trouble. So just make sure you're doing your own due diligence that you're taking it one step further than a blogger, you know, or even a podcast at this setting and doing your own due diligence on, on what's right and what's wrong. Travis, one of the things that you didn't mention that I think is a big mistake is people not understanding how to actually get qualified payments for public service loan forgiveness and how they set it up and what to do. So before we jump into to a bunch of the listener questions, can you just kind of chat really quick on the structure or process to make sure that you're actually set up correctly to actually receive public service loan forgiveness? Sure. The first thing that you want to do when you're ready to like start thinking about your student debt for med school, if you're going for PSLF, you got to send in the certification form. And that's going to really mess up a lot of stuff because it's going to send your loans to FedLoan Servicing. And FedLoan is the bane of a lot of physicians' existence, right? Because they're terrible. Everyone's you know, existence. They, they, yeah, everyone's existence. They make like, uh, what's somebody that has like terrible customer service like uh i don't know like i'm gonna pick on like comcast cable like they make comcast cable look like you know nordstrom's or something um (laughs) you know i agree i mean it's just it's just like terrible it's it's ridiculous so fedloan is this terrible company but the way you're supposed to react is to give yourself the best odds possible in dealing with them you know i had somebody recently who hadn't sent in the certifications yet because they were afraid of you know watching the loans transfer from one servicer to another and it's like, well, you know, really what you need to do is get the loans at, at FedLoan as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Because once they're there, all the payments that happen at FedLoan, they're going to be less likely to lose and they're going to be less likely to mess up. The payments that came before, they're very likely to lose and mess up. So I would say the first suggestion would be to get the loans sent to FedLoans as soon as possible and fill out that PSLF certification form. The other thing that I would say is when you get the form back, remember that you're going to have to fill it out again. And also, I would suggest to people that they use uh, online almost exclusively as their way of interacting with them now. So we've received a lot of detailed data points that says that their online uploading system is leaps and bounds better than the paper system of mailing stuff in or talking to a rep over the phone. 
So if you're going to certify your, your loans, I would suggest to anybody, you know, use this, the form on the site and upload it to their website and don't talk to anybody unless you need to talk to a supervisor to get a formal review requested. And so if you have a problem with the number of payments that you're credited for, what you really want to do is call FedLoan and then basically immediately ask to talk to a supervisor, right? Because, you know, if you continue to ask to talk to a supervisor, like they have to let you. And it might be a long wait, but that's fine. Like turn speakerphone on, go chill, like watch some Netflix, like whatever you got to do. And then when the supervisor comes on, you're going to have to ask for like a, a review of your situation. And that could take, you know, six months and then they might amend things. And that's like highly recommended if you have bank account statements proving that you're making payments and that you know that the loans were direct loans before you sent them to Fed Loan Servicing people should know that only the payments made while the loan was a direct loan actually count and the payments have to be on an income-driven repayment plan and it can't be in forbearance. So, you know, there's a lot of residents, a lot of fellows that will defer their loans during training. You know, that's a big mistake. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's the the biggest take-home message is just get it to FedLoan as soon as possible, send in that certification form, and then do it every year at least, you know, maybe even every six months if you're really worried about it. Yeah. And please don't, if you're a resident, please don't put your loans in deferment. Even the $0 payments you'd be making your first year count. So, you know, start it early and uh, don't be an ostrich and shove your head in the sand and say you'll figure it out later. Um, it just hurts you in the long run. Yeah, I had a client go through, they have several clients I've gone through, but this one was specific that they transferred their, their loans later on in the process to FedLoan and FedLoan was missing like 28 payments, 29 payments, something like that. You know, I did not know that the online portal was better than the phone. So that is really good advice to say for the certification. But yeah, they, they missed it. They had to call several times and it took uh, close to nine months for them to come back and say, oh yeah, our mistake. You do have 29 more payments towards that count towards PSLF. I kind of wonder like what's going on over there. I know there's some good people that work there, but if they just like go down to the local mall, you know, and they just stand in front of the vitamin store and they're just like, hey, you look like you could be a phone rep. Let's uh, let's have you go uh, apply for a job at Tableau Servicing. <laughs> you uh, know, it wouldn't or, surprise me because of how know, just how horrible service has been when my wife had loans, when we dealt with that for a while before we refinanced out and, you know, just hearing client stories and having to help clients go through some of this. Yeah. It's rough. The way I try to like perk people up is think about this as you're getting paid for your time. So, you know, PSLF, say you've got like a $200,000 projected benefit and say it takes five hours of anguish, you know, on the phone dealing with BS from FedLoan, you know, every year. That's still a fantastic hourly wage, right? That's like even better than even the most specialized brain surgeons out there in terms of the projected benefit. So it is worth it. It should be easier. But the main thing is just let's be grateful that the program exists at all. Absolutely. And there's a lot of programs that exist. And it's nice that uh, PSLF is still here. And uh, we're going to get into some listener questions here. It talks about, you know, one of them, I think, was the risks and benefits of it that we can chat on more. But it is a pain in the butt to deal with them. But you got to just view it as... This is 28 payments. That's 28 more payments you'd have to make, two more plus years of, of loans for this client. So it's important to, to get on the phone, get this straightened up. But if you're just starting your career and you're at the very beginning, just stay on top of it. Please stay on top of it so you're not having to go back and deal with it at a later date. Yeah, I want to say one quick thing about consolidation. So there's a lot of stuff with the loan system that it's in the news about, you know, they might change the rules or they might create a new set of loans and eliminate PSLF and everything. 
the best advice for people, somebody who's graduating med school like this spring is to immediately consolidate all of their loans when they graduate from med school, like within a couple weeks after graduating from med school. And you waive the deferment period, you send it straight to Fed Loan Servicing with that consolidation, and you just kind of kill a lot of birds with one stone. The only reason that I just want people to be a little cautious is like when you graduate, just double check that, you know, the consolidation loan will actually become a direct consolidation loan and not like some other kind of loan just because of this like uncertainty with the legislation. So I just wanted to throw that out there, you know, for folks that are graduating this spring, that would be probably a very smart thing to do to consolidate your debt. Just double check just to make sure. So that was part one of Travis and my conversation all around student debt. We just talked about the three biggest mistakes that we see physicians make. And now we're going to answer in the next episode, seven listener questions. If you want to call in and ask a question, go to speakpipe.com slash financial residency, or even better, join the Facebook group, Financial Residency Community on Facebook, obviously. Come in, ask questions, participate, join hundreds of other fellow physicians or physician spouses and help take control over your finances. So have a great week and see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Financial Residency Podcast. This episode has ended, but your financial residency continues online. Head over to financialresidency.com where you'll find links to any resources mentioned in today's episode, along with other valuable tips and information that will help you regain your financial freedom. That's financialresidency.com.